really, really hard and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, there sir. Is. Trust. He's pretty, big, big trust. trust. Big, big trust. trust. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me Jumbo Set is back. It is presented, as always, by Jimmy's Famous Seafood. We are live to YouTube, to Twitter, to Facebook. Shout out to the man Zuck, you know, just keeping things afloat over there. Uh, my name is Jake Luke. I'm joined by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz here on this Halloween edition, and a very spooky Halloween indeed, as uh, the Ravens do not come away with anyone at the trade deadline. Big, big topic of conversation on the old twitter machine today big point of consternation for some a point of uh you know maybe don't worry as much for others uh and i'm sure we'll get into it but uh how are we feeling feeling all right getting over my my covidness is that confirmed did we confirm that confirm what that you actually had the vid i tested negative but i don't i don't trust the at-home tests i know a lot of times people go get like actually tested and it comes back positive so I, uh, I isolated just in case, and I feel better now. Back isn't killing me either, which is a weird part of that. But, yeah, it's Halloween, Hallow's Eve, and giving away some candy outside the old door there. Wasn't able to, to get dressed up today, but I love Halloween. Love spooky season. Love this time of year. Got that nice briskness in the air, which doesn't feel as terrible now that I don't feel as terrible myself. So doing all right, doing okay, ready to rock and roll and move into – the second half of the Baltimore Ravens and NFL season. It's crazy. We're halfway through it. I feel like we we remark this every week. Can't believe it's week three. Can't believe it's week four. But, you know, we actually are at pretty much the halfway point here. Shout out to the NFL for adding that stupid fucking 17th game. So now there really is no halfway point. We kind of have to, you know, tiptoe our way around it or whatever. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty much there. My week still is not due for another couple weeks which is kind of crazy but uh yeah i mean they, they played that pretty masterfully because they're sitting here at six and two did they play this trade deadline masterfully uh not really sure i guess we'll get into it uh we're not going to be doing too much film analysis of the cardinals game you didn't really get a chance to go back and watch uh so we're, we're just gonna kind of talk some trade deadline here and really what it seemed to come down to was the ravens were interested in a running back and i think a lot of people uh, we're saying that Josina Anderson, Diana Rossini, all putting reports out there that Baltimore was looking at running backs. You had other people saying that they were monitoring edge and corner as well. And so today on uh, a relatively busy uh, trade deadline day, it's funny, like we, growing up, trade deadline really was not much of a thing in the NFL. And then I think 2015, it kind of got blown wide open. I think it was 2015 when the Seahawks went and got Jimmy Graham um, middle of the season. They traded away Max Unger. That was kind of the first big one. And then it seems like we've had Big ones pretty much ever since, but this year a little bit quieter than usual, but uh, ultimately you get uh, young and sweaty. Uh, the, you know, Montez Sweat and Chase Young getting moved out of Washington to uh, Chicago, weirdly, and then San Francisco, respectively, who are going to be looking pretty good along that defensive line. They were kind of the big ticket guys being moved today. We had Ezra Cleveland, the guard, going from, was it Minnesota to Jacksonville? Uh, and then a couple, of, a couple other guys getting moved around, but really nothing earth-shattering, and it sounds like... Uh, <laughs> And listen, we'll get into this, but as reported by, uh, you know, two of three people in our, our little cabal here that we have, one of them being the, a, a certain Canadian and then one of the people that I'm talking to right now, running back was the move. Uh, sounded like they were really in on Derrick Henry. It sounds like, listen, based on everything we've heard, who knows uh, that uh, a deal was pretty much put together by Eric Tacosta and Rand Carthen, the GM of the Titans. It was vetoed down by Amy Adams Shrunk. That is what we are reporting. And uh, if nobody else wants to confirm that's fine, but uh, yeah, that, uh, that did not go through. So King Henry remaining in Tennessee, not going to be uh, a Raven as a lot of people were you know, hoping for. And then Josh Jacobs that came out today by one at Ravens for Dummies uh, reporting that Josh Jacobs wanted to come to the Ravens. The Ravens were happy to acquire him. Uh, the Raiders did not move him for whatever reason. There was, uh, and listen, it, we, this is kind of where it's a little bit of a gray area. You said that the Ravens didn't want to meet their... Uh, asking price of a second round pick. It then came out via Jeff's Rebeck that that was not true. Uh, so what it might have happened here, and we don't know all the details, but, and I, listen, I know I'm having fun with this, but we've talked about it, and I very much trust that you 100% believe this information that you put out there, and I do know the source that you got it from, and it's a pretty good one. Um, so yeah, Josh Jacobs, sounds like there was 
something close to coming, uh, you know, coming to fruition. But Mark Davis, owner of the Raiders, quote unquote, loves him, uh, which is interesting given that, you know, they can't fucking pay the guy and they're just going to hang on to him and have him, you know, run his legs out again in a lost season for uh, Vegas here. Uh, but yeah, they'll be hanging on to him. They'll be hanging Pat. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's, let's kind of get into it. I guess, you know, overall thoughts, Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs, uh, a couple guys, you know, close to becoming Ravens ultimately does not happen. Uh, bird's eye view thoughts from you on all of this. Yeah. The Derek Henry part, I firmly believe was a cover up done after the fact, after the strike down happened. I think that ran goes to a beat reporter uh, the gentleman Paul, of his last name is escaping Too me, harsty. and he's like, "Oh, that that didn't happen." What's he going to say? The owner, you know, has authority over me. Uh, that I think was, I've can we I've confirmed that part with multiple people that are fully vetted. Um, I, I don't think that's really as I don't I don't think we're ever going to hear much about it. I don't think the some of the bigger names are going to talk about it because they don't want to burn the Tennessee GM ultimately. And then what I received today was a text from Josh Jacobs agent is local to the area. So that's why Josh Jacobs was in Baltimore earlier this year, things like that. So I end up hearing, I won't say directly from who, but I uh, said, I got a text that said, funny, you should mention that when someone asked about Josh Jacobs and the Ravens, potentially Um, heard there were rumors. Baltimore was interested. He said he would love here to come and play with Lamar. I almost poop emoji, my pants emoji. I don't think anyone has called yet. Mr. Davis, the Raiders owner loves Josh. I think he would fire the staff. LOL. He would fire the whole staff before he'd let Josh get traded. Then later directly uh, got word that Josh's agent was up late dealing with Josh after a very upsetting game last night where Jimmy Garoppolo looked out of place in the NFL at points in that game, especially late missing Devonte Adams, turning the football over, things like that. So what I heard was that Josh's agent was up late dealing with Josh. Josh wants to get traded, and today is the deadline. He wants to come to Baltimore. Uh, So the things that I know are that Josh Jacobs wants to leave the Raiders, wanted to leave the Raiders today, wanted to come play with Lamar Jackson. The things that I heard that I don't know are that the asking price was a second-round pick. That was a little bit more on the speculative side. Um, and that's what Jeff Zarebeck comes out and, and basically refutes. I uh, said something along the lines of the, the, the comp the Ravens would have been willing to part with a second round pick, uh, for the right player price, whatever he said. So, um, the compensation, yeah, I wasn't positive on there, but I do know that Josh Jacobs was interested in coming to Baltimore and that, um, you know, the, the Raiders weren't really interested in dealing him. That's what I originally tweeted. I originally tweeted the Raiders don't want to do, according to sources, the Raiders don't want to deal Josh Jacobs. Mark Davis loves Josh Jacobs. Um, Then some things started to spin. Josh wanted to put something in motion. That's what happens. I mean, what do you think happened with Chase Young getting traded? Chase Young probably wanted to leave, wanted to get out, and ends up getting out. A lot of times the agent is involved in that aspect. So Jacobs camp trying to get out, and you know the Ravens end up sitting pat, standing tall, whatever you want to call it, and don't make a move there. And I get it. I mean, I don't, I don't think it was going to be earth shattering one way or the other. And what the reports that end up coming out about Derrick Henry were that, Hey, if the Ravens think Derrick Henry is going to put them over the top, then why won't they give a first or second round pick? So I think that's true. That's good logic by Amy Strunk Adams. Probably sure. A third round pick, a fourth round pick, you know, those are fine and dandy. It just feels like the days of, I don't know. Howie Roseman, of course, still gets away with it for, for Kevin Byard. So except for Howie Roseman, the the, the Judas betrayal of uh, his good friend Eric DaCosta there. Screw you, Howie. Jerk. Jerk. Um, it feels wow. like you know teams don't really care about the fifth-round pick, the fourth-round pick quite as much maybe as they did a couple years ago. Um, I, I think that the scouting has gotten so globalized, the comp formula, all of those things are a little more uniform than maybe they were a couple years ago. So I just don't feel like teams have been getting a ton of great value on day three in the draft. I don't feel like the comp formula is some sneaky way that teams are working it other than Howie Roseman, who's going to get five, I think five or six comp picks. So Howie Roseman continues to make, Hey, the Ravens, uh, we heard Geno stone on, on the settlement. The settlement will not be joining us on this episode. He's down in, uh, at the world series, I believe is in Arizona tonight, but tough life. uh, That guy leads, you know? Yeah. Tortured life. Jack lives, but, with that, 
I don't think that, you know, the Ravens really had to make a move necessarily. It's just a little scary if Gus Edwards, who, you know, did have a really significant knee injury, misses some time. You'd probably really like to have a running back. People are more interested in maybe like a Dalvin Cook and things like that. And I think Cole said it on another podcast, something I fully agree with him. I don't think the Melvin Gordon drop off from like a Dalvin Cook or insert name of free agent that's currently available, Leonard Fournette, is like some big drop off. I think it's probably super marginal. So, if they could get a playmaker, they would, and they didn't get one. That's, yeah, that's why it sucks that Fournette went off the market. I think he signed with the Bills uh, over the weekend, so he's gone. I mean, they've been in contact with Nid- uh, Nid- Kong Su, excuse me, uh, who actually went on air on, I think, uh, maybe Sky Sports or something like that. He confirmed that himself, that they've been talking to him. Sounded like he was pretty intrigued, but, you know, he was doing the typical KG, we'll see what happens type thing. So, yeah, that would be that would be a good move, I think, to uh, to bolster up the line a little bit, maybe help with some juice in the pass rush, which they could use. Yeah, but ultimately, like, to me, like, some of these players, Chase Young, obviously, all the talent in the world, he's shown flashes of it, but there's been injury issues there. You definitely... I, I shouldn't say definitely, but it would be hard to ink him to a long-term deal. Chicago dealing a two for Montez Sweat. I mean, the Ravens sent a two for Roquan Smith, and I'd much rather uh, have Roquan Smith than Montez Sweat. I mean, Sweat's a really good player and everything, and sacks are obviously super important and paramount in this NFL, but he's not the type of player that I'm like screaming, let's send off a second-round pick. And what's interesting about it is the record that not just Acosta has had, but this franchise has had in the second round has been pretty, pretty star crossed. So the people kind of making that point that like second round picks, you know, why are they worried about in general? And like, to me, like I'm almost like, why worry about any non day one pick that much in general? Right. Because, you know, you expect your first rounder to contribute to your team right away. And then everything else is kind of just developmental pieces. I know, I I know that people want to like place hyper importance on these second round picks. And I think my theory for why is that, a lot of really good receivers get drafted in the second round and they come in and they are kind of these great day one contributors. But to me, that's just kind of the glut that kind of receiver bubble type thing. And it's overinflated the expectations for what a second round pick should be. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of talking in circles a little bit, but to me, I'm kind of just not really that fired up one way or the other about what occurred today. You know, you've got your typical, you know, kind of gloom and doomers on one side saying, Oh, they'll never do this. They'll never do that. And then you've got the, uh, the whatever, purple patrol on the other side kind of uh you know sugarcoating every single little thing and it's just kind of that's just kind of how raven's twitter is to an extent and I, I feel like i've you know gotten past the point of really getting riled up by one side or the other i, th- I think both make pretty valid points uh but ultimately like this trade deadline just none of these players really move me like i know i know sweat's a good player i know chase young is really good and has all this potential uh to break out josh jacobs would have been awesome derrick henry would have been a lot of fun i probably would have preferred jacobs honestly but derrick henry would have been great too um but man, nothing would move me in the way that a Roquan Smith would have, or even a Marcus Peters back in the day. Like there, there just wasn't that player out there for me. So like it, it stinks to not improve the team and it would have improved the team to get any of these guys by a pretty decent margin, I think. But ultimately, you know, n- nothing that would really like move heaven and earth for me. So I'm not like losing my mind one way or the other. And the Ravens are in the post rookie quarterback contract. Exactly. Era. Yeah, that's we talked about this uh, last week, right? Right. So the question, Chase Young, yeah, he's an impact player. Montez Sweat, yeah, he's an impact player. And to your point, you know, maybe it's not Roquan Smith. Uh, maybe Chase Young is. Chase Young, super explosive and, and definitely still could be great. Sweat, a sound player. Eagles do get Kevin Byard. Some things happen, but it's not the NBA trade deadline or, uh, you know, even MLB has been kind of disappointing as well lately in terms of the panache. But I think the Ravens, Eric DaCosta has to try to thread a needle right now. He can't go make the moves that a team like the 49ers probably feels like he is hesitant to, not that he can't, but is hesitant to make moves like acquiring a Chase Young uh, because, and, and the 49ers are going to get like six, four, four or five, six. I think they have three or four picks coming because of D'Amico Ryans and, uh, and other comp picks as well. So easily parted with those. I just feel like the Ravens defensively, have a system in place to be successful. Would Chase Young be great? Absolutely. But you have a finite amount of resources to spend, which are your draft picks and your cap space. And if you were going to spend it, it probably should be on the offensive side of the football. They're going to need a running back next year. They're going to need a receiver or two next year. They're probably going to need two new guards. They're probably going to need another tackle. They need basically half of their offense to be refreshed next year, uh, turned over. So it would be tough to take away from that and consider extending a defensive player and making it worthwhile and all of those things. So 
Should the Ravens have gotten Chase Young? I mean, sure, but there's 32 teams in the NFL. You can't make every single trade. Uh, this was the first year, or I think this is only the second year out of the last five that Eric DaCosta kind of sat and just let the trade deadline go by. And Ozzie, the value Ozzie like never that. did trade deadline moves. I, I don't know if Monroe, Eugene Monroe, I think, is the only one. I mean, Ty I, Montgomery. I can't remember if he traded for him during the deadline or not. I don't know if it was the deadline. I think Ty Montgomery was, and that was like the one. Yes. But yeah, and this, that was like a, it was a special teamer that got a couple snaps as a running Conditional back, seventh so. round pick. Yeah, exactly. So like nothing crazy. Like a Ozzie. half Corderell Patterson. Yeah, and this has kind of become one of Eric's moves and his calling cards. And I, it's like people make the joke now because of the DeAndre Hopkins thing, however many years ago that was at this point and because of uh Xavier and Howard but he has hit he's made these moves more often than he has not in his what is it now a five-year tenure you've got Marcus Peters you've got Unique Ngakwe I know that didn't work out very well but you've got Roquan Smith versus those other two they that traded for Calais Campbell as well in the offseason yeah exactly and even just even just talking about the midseason ones if you're talking about three for five that's that's a 60 percent batting average on making these moves happen and these are for big time players like Unique Ngakwe that was a big move at the time uh, Peters obviously as well and then Roquan Smith has completely changed the trajectory of this franchise in my opinion so he's made these big moves more often than not uh and yeah man it would have it would have been certainly nice because this team does look like they uh they've got the horses in my opinion um so yeah it would have been good but you know nothing super franchise altering in my opinion uh really could have been done to begin with there were a couple other names out there Rizul douglas got moved at corner that might have been a nice move jalen johnson on the bears is kind of this ascending young player uh who the bears wanted to hang on to and it's i mean look it seems like they're intent on building up that defense i don't know if matt eberflus is going to be there next year but they traded for sweat they hang on to him God knows what's going on with their offense. I really don't know if Ryan Poles has a plan or if he's just trying to get good players in the building, win as many games as they possible. They can do whatever. They, offensively, they have two two high first-round picks in all likelihood. I mean, at this point, they have that's the a, first and third overall picks. That's so a good they, point. The Panthers are not going anywhere in, in terms of wins. They're going to be within the top 10 in all likelihood, maybe the top five with both They'll of They'll definitely picks. be top 10. The, yeah. the Bears should definitely have two top 10 picks for them, worst case. Yeah, and one of them, it wouldn't surprise me if either one of those teams wound up with the number one overall. So, yeah, they're, you know, they're in a decent enough spot. But, yeah, ultimately, it, uh, you know, Eric, Eric DeCosta has made these moves more often than not is kind of the point that I would make to defend him. I didn't really want to say it on Twitter because that tone can kind of get lost, and obviously it's all super polarized. But just to kind of put it out there, my opinion is that, yeah, it would have been really nice for them to make a move, but we're not really privy to what's going on. Like a lot of people are, you know, making the point that, and you know, I, I shouldn't say making the point, but trying to interpret their process after seeing the result and saying that, oh, well, the Niners got this guy. Why couldn't they get this guy? Why couldn't DaCosta make this move? And it's, you know, it's very well that he tried. It's very well that he didn't. We just don't have that information. So I just don't think it's really fair to, uh, you know, hacky, you know, hack at him for his process a little bit uh, here because we just don't know. And uh, that's kind of a boring take and a little, you know, Jakey fence sitter. But um, <laughs> uh, sorry for the podcast listeners, but a funny comment just rolled in. Um, so yeah, it, it just um, yeah no it, it just all it, of the clicks that I get I survive off of clicks if I don't get clicks my my family of fifteen doesn't eat for the podcast listeners we got TDCC two one really hope today showed people content creators aren't reporters and shouldn't be trusted as such not a bad thing to try and stir up controversy for clicks it's their hustle and I respect that yeah let me respond to that by the way and let me respond to the people talking about coal by the way as well. You guys have nothing to like lose or gain from this. You're just putting out information you're hearing. You're not trying to report. You're not trying to be Schefter and Ian. And Schefter and Ian, for the people bringing them up, I like those guys generally, and I do think that they do an important job. And it needs to be done. I know people get very cavalier about that, but they have to report that stuff. But there is an over-importance placed on it, I think, and there's an overvalue placed on it, I think. And it's in a late-stage capitalism era where it is complete and total access journalism, and they are at the absolute whim of, of these stakeholders involved, like an Amy Adams Strunk, like a Rand Carthen, like an Eric DaCosta, they're not going to put it out there if it risks burning a source for a running back in his 30s who, you know, it was a part of a trade that didn't happen. That's not a big enough story for them to really worry about one way or the other. And for you guys, it's like, you, you know, and obviously I'm biased. You guys are like two of my best friends. So like, I'm going to defend you, but it's just like you, you have not you have really nothing to lose or to gain you're just putting out what you're hearing sometimes stuff happens sometimes it doesn't 
Cole Jackson has Squire, literally Squire had a different reader was like the streets don't talk to me anymore because people have to turn it. It's like I when I tweet those things that I get told, I'm like, uh, it's probably not going to be fun. I probably shouldn't even tweet this. You've get, we, like, uh, you we you and all, all three of us. Tweets, yeah, yeah, all three of us have heard dozens of and like we're not like trying to act like we're super plugged in. It's just the nature of like getting to know people over the years. But all three of us have heard plenty of stuff over the years that we could have put out there and we just didn't. And it just lined up perfectly this time that it's the trade deadline. It sounded like things were close to really happening and ultimately they didn't. Uh, so for all the people like, you know, take today showed people can't differentiate between me saying a source told me something and me saying to my understanding or I'm I'm speculating. Read, read what I said. And that's the difficulty of text and tweeting and things like that. So if I said a source told me something, I know it. And if I don't say that, that's probably, I tr always try to say I'm speculating. I even in one of my tweets was like, I'm going to make an ass out of you and me, AKA assume that's what's happening. So there's speculation. There's things that are a little bit more concrete. Again, I know that Josh Jacobs was interested in coming to the Ravens. His agent was making a push to do so. I know that the Raiders didn't want to trade him. So weird the two things i ultimately ended up saying were that the titans aren't going to trade derrick henry to the ravens a couple days ago and then today i said sounds like the raiders aren't going to trade josh jacobs to the ravens and they didn't so you know was i wrong probably maybe about the the compensation the second rounder sure whatever but yeah i mean it's well, I mean, kind of fun. There's a lot of nice people. The they people can't that are hear cool And things. the thing is, they can't know if you were right or wrong. You just said that Josh Jacobs wanted to come to Baltimore and that the Ravens were interested. Like, yeah, you're not saying so that he was. It, you weren't it, predicting it, it's not, it was going to happen. And it's not. Right? It's the same things. And it's what, you know, Bobby Trost did always says traditional media versus non-traditional media and things like that. So it's like, all right, I don't care to be a reporter. I could have gone to journalism school. I could. You know, I've, I've worked, we worked at Baltimore Beatdown. I'm not really interested in reporting. It's not very fun to me. I don't like uh, going off of other people's work and, you know, making that my work. I don't find that to be super rewarding ultimately. And then there you go. So um, I don't know, people that listen to this podcast, people that typically do seem to enjoy if I hear something that I think is worth saying and people who maybe don't are like, oh, blah, 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 whatever. It's like the incel Twitter so on and so forth, and not to hang up on it. I don't really care. At the end of the day, like I tweeted Ronnie Stanley was going to come back. I was the first one to tweet when he was going to come back from injured reserve. Came back the next week, and people were like, oh, he's not going to play again this year. Oh, whatever, you're an idiot. And the other time, I was friends with somebody that worked in the Atlanta Falcons front office. As this like this is my favorite one. Yeah, I love this In one. 2019, one of my buddies from college worked in the Atlanta Falcons front office and texted me, and said, hey, the Ravens are calling about Vic Beasley. So I tweeted, oh, the Ravens might be acquiring, might not be done yet after the Marcus Peters trade. They might be trying to acquire a certain Falcons pass rusher. And then everyone's like, oh my God, the Ravens are going to trade for Vic Beasley. Didn't end up happening. And then everyone's like, oh, screw you. And I'm like, oh, well, whatever. I, I mean, I could have, to your point, I could have tweeted over the last two years as we have made friends and get some connections and hear some things, could have tweeted 50 different things and choose not to. Um, out of respect to the people that tell us them and things like that. So when I am comfortable enough to and hear something that I think is worth talking about or is fun for listeners of our podcast or anyone that we enjoy interacting with to know about, then I do. And if you don't like it, then sorry. Yeah, I mean, you're obviously, Sally. you're very plugged in, you're very smart, and a lot of well-informed people like you. So people can draw their own conclusions from that and you have put stuff out there to the Stanley thing you know, that was correct. So they can suck on that. And Cole Jackson has fucking bylines on the Baltimore Ravens website. So if you want to go after him, go for it. Josh, Cole said the same thing about Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Interest. Yeah. It would make sense. Yeah. So on and so forth. And literally writes for the Ravens as well. So there you go. Well, that's my rant on that. I got a little more fired up about that than I was expecting, but yeah. Yeah. I didn't expect that from you at all. I was like, all right. Well. It was just eating at me a little bit. I, I think I tweeted about it this morning too. I was just like, you know what guys, like Get the back the fuck off my boys. All right. It's a very tense time for people that really follow the NFL and follow their teams. It, people get frantic about it. It's a lot of probably younger kids that are 15 through 20 and are, you know, all teed up on wanting their Madden ultimate team to come to real life and things like that. So um, at the end of the day, it feels like in the AFC, I guess to maybe transition, the AFC didn't really make moves. You mentioned Rasul Douglas, the Jags go and get Ezra Cleveland, which could be a nice move for them. Uh, for sure, I would be remiss again, not somebody that I've been watching night and day, Ezra Cleveland, over the last year or two. But 
a starting capable guard that's athletic and a nice fit for the Jags. So to me, it feels like as we move into the second part of the NFL season, the teams in the AFC that stand out are the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Those are the teams I think will make the playoffs. The teams I think will push or will be one of them that wins the conference championship. I would probably think two of those teams play in the conference championship. They're kind of the class of the, the league. They have good quarterbacks. They're well-run organizations for the most part. And it's supposed to be a tough year this year in the AFC. And guess what? It is. There's four teams tied atop it as we move to the second part of the season. And none of them really separated themselves. And maybe that's the reason why. Maybe the reason they, that the Eagles and the 49ers both made big moves. Go get Kevin Byard. Go get Chase Young. Sounds like the 49ers are trying to get a Dory Jackson or trying to get a corner. And it fell through towards the end. Probably because there's not Shout that many good the quarterbacks. Gi the Giants didn't file the paperwork. Shout out to Mike Tice again. That might have been a that might have been a fake account. That might okay. have been a really big fake account. It's too bad. Because I sent that to my Giants friends and was like, "What are they doing?" And they're like, "You're an idiot." I didn't I even like, okay. I didn't even click on it. I just saw it and got a good chuckle out of it and kept moving. It would have made it was a good tweet if it was a dupe. I think it was, but to me, that's like, why are the Eagles and the 49ers going all in? Because those are probably the two teams that are going to play in the NFC Championship again. So why wouldn't they push in a little bit? It feels like if one of those contending AFC teams did spend capital to go get a impact level player, it still might not be enough. It might've been in vain and whatever. So um, takes two to tango. There's 32 teams, all those cliches, but <laughs> AFC kind of didn't make moves. I wonder what, uh, I don't know who exactly is running the Ravens uh, social account these days, but whoever tweeted Garrett's like final drive video of like the whole, like, we like our guys thing. They're, they weren't going to make any moves. Like, I, I don't know. I get that they have to do that. They're all good people over there. They're just doing their jobs. They're towing the company line. But just like, I couldn't imagine having to read those mentions. Like, that's fucking brutal. Like, oh, man. And it's, it's I, I don't think it's a great look, honestly. Like, hey, we all know you don't have to preach to us. We get it. You like your guys. Everyone, you know, two to tango, all that stuff. We, we're all adults here. Most of us are adults here. Some of us are adults here potentially 43% of us are adults here. And, you know, even if you're not, I think we all get it. For sure. So trade deadline kind of does that uh, that opening sizzle ahead of it. I mean, Roquan Smith, the Ravens traded for Roquan Smith, I think. Was that, at the, what was that, the day before the deadline? I think, yeah, I think it was the day before. Because I think Ray, yeah, Ray I tweeted. I feel like the like actual the, deadline itself is usually, this was kind of, honestly, Sweat and Young both came out afternoon if i'm not mistaken yeah and that was kind of that's pretty big so ezra cleveland sneaks in it was honestly a little bit bigger of a day and uh leonard williams goes to the seahawks as well who the ravens will see in baltimore as they play three home games in the next they'll play three home games in what four weeks 17 days something like that yeah back to backs and then the bengals uh on thursday night there so in i think ten, what was that 10 days give or take so a lot Going on, the AFC plays a lot of each other. When you go look at the strength of schedule remaining of those six teams, it's really high. The Chiefs, the Ravens, the Jags, they're, they're all kind of playing each other. The Bills and the Bengals play this Sunday night. That's a massive game for both of those teams. Whoever wins that game, it's going to propel them into a much better spot. And whoever loses that game, uh, I mean, the Bills at this point to lose that game would really feel like they're starting to reel a little bit. And the Bengals, who can just simply sleepwalk through September every year and then turn into this well-oiled machine, it's just truly unbelievable. So um, the AFC is exciting, man. I think that's kind of the most exciting part of this NFL season probably is those six teams. Yeah, no, it's uh, people are making the point that, you know, the AFC is kind of wide open and all that stuff, and that, that might be true. But I think we've also got some sleeping giants here. You mentioned the Bengals. They're doing their typical, you know, thing where they just get out of the gate completely just you know lethargic and now all of a sudden they're surging and they look like they're back and joe burrow making all these plays and looking mobile again so yeah good for them we'll, we'll, we'll certainly see what happens but it is uh it is starting to look like a, a pretty loaded conference and the browns coming to town too i mean they, they've they have not given up despite all the weirdness at quarterback going on there so that's going to be a test as well it will and the browns also go sign Kenyon drake and James Prochet to their practice squad. Love that. They they have to, I mean, the, the Browns really do have to win that game. So I think I like that move by them to go do everything they can to get intel. Uh, they don't exactly have Connor Stallion, you know, in their corner sitting on the sideline, but effectively doing as much as they can. We have Deuce 1042. Makes a great point. The Ravens just went from London, five-hour time difference, to Baltimore, 
and then to Arizona and then come back to Baltimore. So that Arizona game, that win really, that <laughs> really could have been a trap game. And the Cardinals really only had one of those. And it was for the Cowboys, luckily, not the Baltimore Ravens. But definitely draining to go to London, win that game, come back to Baltimore, play the freaking Lions. Get they got the Ravens got up for that game, whooped them, and, and that's why that Arizona win felt so rewarding despite such a sloppy effort. Yeah, and it, you just you gotta figure it out at home now. Like the home field advantage, it's gotta come back. You gotta start you gotta start taking this a little more seriously and you gotta win more of your games at home uh, than you have been in recent years. And I know it's gonna be tough against some of these teams, but if you can really start to put your foot on the gas here and win some of the, you know, these two divisional games coming up, that's gonna be freaking huge for you. Cause uh, you know, Bengals, like I said, they're starting to approach the rear view mirror a little bit. Brownies, I, I don't think they're a long-term threat, but they're they're going to be a tough out every single week. And uh, Steelers, God knows what's going on there, but they're always a tough out too. So Tough division, absolutely. So I guess with that, we can segue into our segments. We kind of didn't do the notebook we typically do. Um, we can get on into, I guess, the, the mega culpa, our first. And things that come to mind for me is I didn't think that the Cardinals would be able to I didn't think that they would just be able to – I don't even know the right word to say it. We, I didn't think they'd be able to score, I guess, is the easiest way to put it. I, them, even if it was late, even if it was kind of garbage time, the onside kick, of course, helps their cause. I didn't think they would be able to have multiple touchdowns in that game. I think that's what I said in the preview. I thought it would be maybe a garbage touchdown late, which did happen, but they scored twice in their opening drive. Uh, Josh Dobbs traded to the Vikings, so an interesting move there. But – that's that's really kind of the only thing that comes to mind. I, I do still stand by my hashtag sources, but the the mega culpa to me was just the Cardinals being able to move the football a little bit, and it really was just the opening drive and then the last couple drives of the game. And in between, what like Brian said in the instant analysis, the Ravens just whooped their ass between basically the first and last drives of the game, which made it look worse than it was, but it still didn't feel good. Yeah, I think I pre- it's funny because like I think I predicted the tenor of this game to play out pretty much the way that it did, save yes, for exactly. save for the weirdness at the end. But like I was a little like I was a little kind of the uh, the teacher scolding you know the the student that they feel you know might have potential to fuck up here. Like let's let's bite let's nip this thing in the bud, right? Let's turn the homework in on time uh, this week so you don't screw yourself over. And I was definitely a little like frustrated in the preview because I just I could feel it coming. I could feel the the not get off the bus thing coming. I could feel them coming out flat. And I guess they kind of did a little bit, but ultimately they went out there and they handled business. And what did we say? You know, it doesn't matter about covering the spread and it doesn't matter about this and that. It's a trap game. It doesn't matter. Just go win. And they went and won. So I definitely was, there was some concern, but I cautiously predicted that it would play out the way that it did. So I feel a little vindicated in that regard, but Definitely was concerned that there could be a legitimate chance for a trap game and a loss here. And they went out there and they got it done. So just overall macro perspective on this game in general, they've just kept the bus rolling here, man. And that is not easy to do to Deuce's point about all the travel lately to how down we've been on John Harbaugh. I think rightfully so at times this season uh, for the two losses that, you know, I, I would give you a pass on one of those, but you could not really afford to have both of them. Um, if you were going to continue to do so throughout the rest of the season. And since then they've been passing the test with what I would say is pretty flying colors. They're three and zero since then they had the big win against Detroit. They've really handled their business in the other two. And now you got a tough stretch coming up and you set yourself up pretty well for it. So that's mine. Yeah. And I would say that with those two tough losses that felt so self-inflicted going three and zero down this stretch with so much travel, that was, it was sneaky travel, like sneaky, a lot of travel. You have even people like Cassie Calvert and the social team being like, I don't even play in the games and, I'm just dead myself. I'll give the Ravens back one. Like that canceled out one of those two losses to me. Uh, the other thing, I guess, mega couple wise, I just thought the Ravens would be able to run the ball like crazy on the Cardinals. And the Cardinals came out hitting. They were able to really play great leverage and lever and spill and get where they wanted to. The Ravens players were extremely vocal uh, from what we heard intentionally about the fact that they didn't like that they didn't come out running the football in volume. Care to name your sources on that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but with that, the the Ravens wanted to run the football a little more. They kind of get into the screen game, which felt like they were trying to stretch the Cardinals, def- like DBs and linebackers out a little bit to run the ball, a little bit of like the, the extension of the run game for the run game. Uh, the Ravens did in the second half go back to business, though. It was 
one of those games where it's like, all right, they're just not going to run Lamar Jackson. And maybe the part of that is the option not being there, but it felt like there weren't a ton of them option runs overall. And then in the second half, we're like, all right, here we can, you know, slide a couple in. Not that they were crazy effective, but it does have an impact on defenses. So kudos to the Cardinals front that I pretty much called soft and small who played big and tough for a while and then fell apart down the stretch when they were definitely outmanned. And uh, the Ravens offensive line didn't have their finest effort. I don't think Tyler Linderbaum looks great. Zeitler has been getting back into to really good form. Stanley definitely didn't have his best day. Moses definitely didn't have his best day. Uh, John Simpson seemed to be physical there and things of that nature. But yeah, the, the to get that win and not have it ruin your, your season and your stride and to be able to manage covering so much distance in three weeks and then come back home is huge. So it kind of feels like the Ravens are where they wanted to be now. Maybe one game, something like that. But they're atop their division. They're fighting for the top seed. The, the the ball's in their court. They've got everything before them. They're in the driver's seat. They control their own destiny. Every every cheesy cliche you would like to have moving to the second half of the season, the Ravens do have. Yeah, no, and it's like for all the, oh, could be 8-0 talk, like I, you are, I'm going to keep saying it. You are what your record says you are. You stepped on the rake in those two games, but I got to give you credit. Uh, handshake emoji. You've really, really answered the bell. Uh, since that most recent debacle in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, it hasn't, you know, it hasn't looked pretty at times. I get it. The offenses have their issues. But, like, to me, like, all these people talking about these concerns and this and that, like, they're moving the ball, man. Like, that's where I'm at with it. Like, they're finishing drives. They're not, procedurally, they look solid. They're not having a ton of false starts. They're not taking forever to get to the line. It just looks so much cleaner. I know the passing game has issues. I know they're forcing the ball to Beckham. I know there's this and that with the spacing and the route concepts and the Kurt Warner and all that. It's just, it's looked a lot better. To Kurt Warner out. went and tweeted about the Chiefs this week and said, I, he said, I hope I'm not just disgusted by this lion, this Raiders game so much that it made my eyes go sour. I don't have him verbatim, but he tweeted and said, I don't know if the Raiders game is making me look weird, but the Chiefs passing game looks so awful. It was shocking and I have to go rewatch. So that's what this season is. It's the defensive renaissance and running the football and not turning the football over and playing defense, kicking field goals, things of that nature. And the Ravens have been on this for like five years already. The, the whole Roman thing was like almost borderline ahead of its time, but now they've shifted their offense into the quarterback-centric offense that the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals and the other top teams in your conference, that's how they play. That's how the Ravens are playing. They're playing the same game, and it feels like their defense is – at the precipice of modern post-spread era, that phrase I love, football, with the too high stuff, with the simulating pressure. And Lamar Jackson's throwing three picks. They fumbled the shit out of the football, which is stupid, but its I don't want to say it's better to fumble the ball, but it's, it feels way more... It's not a, It's not process, or, you know, it's not a process error. It's an execution error. It, exactly. It's a fundamental, simple fundamental error of carrying a football with five, you know, having two hands on the ball, doing those kinds of things. So... They feel like in terms of where they are schematically, where they've put their resources, they're at the, the high level, the high end of what is successful in the NFL. And they don't make a move at the deadline. We Hashtag we like our guys. So they, they got to rock and roll with what they got. I mean, shout out to me for having Gus Edwards in three of my four best ball uh, underdog entries. That's going to be great for, for that. But uh, a lot riding on guys like Gus Edwards. I'm curious to see what happens with the Pat McCary and some of those things, but I guess we can can mosey on to some of the other segments, but they're in a good spot. It's exciting. And like I said, I think the best part of the NFL is which team comes out of the AFC and which team comes, you know, gets that by and is able to go push through these other quarterbacks. There's like the disparity in quarterback play between the NFC and the AFC is a joke. It's insane. And and with the league making so much of a concerted effort to have that quarterback emphasis. The disparity is astounding, and I think that's why we're seeing some weird stuff go on trade deadline-wise and uh, a, what's supposed to be a robust quarterback class next year. Um, and again, that's why I think the Niners and the Eagles are pushing their chips in because they're going to have to fight each other. So Chase Young and Kevin Byard are, are two defensive resources to try and stop your opponent. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, it's an interesting spot the AFC is in, I mean. <laughs> Justin Herbert is almost like a forgotten man to me at this point. That guy is like maybe the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. It's it's crazy. Like, and that's probably a little bit of hyperbole. Let, let me just throw that out there right I now. Know, I mean, I don't know. He's throwing a football. There's I don't know that many can throw a football, simply have as good of an arm and as much arm talent. And he's 6'6", and he's an athlete, and 
you know, can put up numbers and stuff like that. Uh, it feels like Philip. It feels like modern Philip Rivers. It's it like makes you uh, Philip Rivers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and more accurate too. Like weirdly, at times. I mean, that the I, I always go back to that. Like whatever he was like twenty two for twenty two in that Raiders game. What was that last year? Maybe two years ago. <laughs> but man, talking about the Raiders. I mean, just talk about an arms race that they were just not, not even in the running for. Everyone else is just loading up on ICBMs and fucking. The, the Jimmy, most- them getting Jimmy G in hindsight is just ridiculous just absolutely ridiculous and he i think he has a hundred eighty thousand dollar per game bonus to play and i feel like he's just like screw it i'll go get as many of these checks as i can Golden parachute take yeah. the joe flacco route like he's gonna be a backup after this season i bet and go float around and make some millions and travel and, and take that you know post ravens joe flacco kind of vibe and start a couple games here and there but whew, jimmy g man not good. It was kind of scaring me to watch him at points. Not good. Yeah, that that interception in the end zone was uh, that was freaking brutal. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's. In- I mean, it's interesting because you've got the Justin Herbert, and I know he's on a comically incompetent organization with the Chargers, and you know all that stuff's going on. But then you've got a Jared Goff who is just a completely almost like a dinosaur at this point. He's just a completely in structure type quarterback. Like you really don't see those kind of guys anymore. And obviously having a really good season, but like. The fact that he's like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFC right now is kind of funny to me. I, I if he were on if the Lions were in the AFC, I wonder like what that would look like necessarily. But that's that's neither right. here nor there. They're the they're the other one, and they go to get Donovan Peoples Jones, and I think they'll win a playoff game or two or something. But I just don't see them being able to go hang with the Eagles, and I do think the Eagles come out of that conference. But just a segue into our next segment, we have the smooth AF plays of the week, and. With it being a win, we will do the smooth plays as opposed to the smooth brain, which I do know that I've I've been getting some DMs and stuff like, is it bad that I want the Ravens to lose because I like smooth brain better? <laughs> I've got a couple of those too, yeah. Yeah, the smooth brain is is good, and that was that was all you. But uh, for me, the couple plays that I guess stand out, I like want to do smooth brain almost. Like <laughs> we'll, we'll give them afterwards because there's we so can, many I mean, silly there ones. Were mistakes so many. Ga- there were mistakes made in this game. So the smooth, there were. The CBS crew might be the smooth brain of the week. Oh my gosh, the buffet portion is probably smooth brain of the week. A couple, a couple things. The smooth play of the week. I just want to. I'll just throw Geno Stone's pick. Yeah, it wasn't it, Josh Dobbs. It was an easy pick and things like that. But Geno Stone just is smooth. He, they call him Chico now. He is smooth on the Marlon Humphrey post game in uh, live, whatever the hell Instagram live afterwards. He was uh, like Marlon was like, oh, who leads the NFL in interceptions? He's like, oh. I think number 26 on the Ravens. Yeah. Like he's just playing smooth. He feels smooth. He's a pretty suave guy. He's got good style. Smoothly gets a pick in the hundredth straight game and just feels in control of his own domain. Feels clicking in this offense. And man, it's going to be kind of heartbreaking if the Ravens can't keep him because you hear him on the punchline podcast. Shout out to our boy, Jack settlement saying that, it goes back as far as him on draft day calling the Ravens, who he had spoken with. He was he was like the num- one of the number one falling players in that draft. It was supposed to be like a maybe a day two pick, and ends up being so late taken by the Ravens. He said he called them back and told the Ravens, "Come get me! Like, what are you doing? Pick me! What are you guys going to take me or not?" Um, so G- it feels like Geno Stone has wanted to be in Baltimore, knew it was the place for him. He fits in well, and he just reminds you of that Anthony Levine or that Jimmy Leonard or some of those guys that especially at safety that have fought through being a less highly drafted player. And some of those things, he obviously goes to the Texans. He gets waived. Then he's a backup, but they sign Marcus Williams. They draft Kyle Hamilton, Chuck Clark's here at one point, And then suddenly is just leading the NFL in interceptions and making himself million over million and doing it smooth, real smooth. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's the man. You're absolutely right about that IG live, and then the clip coming out, I, I got to see uh, on Punchline was fun too. He's just he does seem like kind of one of those dudes who's uh, you know, he's maybe got a, a confidence thing where he's just he's more confident than everybody else, and that's going to take him to a, a lot of far places because he's not necessarily the most athletic. It's probably why he fell in the draft a bit, but he's just got instincts, man. And it's funny, like seeing Marcus Peters get that pick six the other night. I've always had this take that like playmaking never leaves you when you're one of those guys and there are not many of them ed reed being one marcus peters being the other like you can still make a play like that here there even after everything else has left you and maybe geno stone is going to be one of those guys and uh you know because like i said the athleticism is not overwhelming the size is not necessarily overwhelming but you just do your homework in the uh in the film room and you're in the right place at the right time and you have the hands as well uh shout out to brandon stevens who's finally developing a pair 
uh, it's, it's a lethal combination, I think. And, you know, if you can take the football away, you're going to have a long career in the NFL and five interceptions through what, you know, eight games. It's very impressive. It's only been done one time in the history of this franchise, uh, before this. And now, uh, now here he is living out the dream. So good for you, Geno Stone. Went and picked off Ben Roethlisberger and his final game against the Ravens, final regular season game. Picked off Tom Brady, didn't he? Picked off. Yeah. I mean, makes plays on the football has it Geno Stone has it he is suave he is smooth on the football field on that back end and I don't know he's a good tackler he feels great in man coverage at times too like how many times in the end zone has he kind of been targeted and been able to prevent something from happening just feels in place and uh, feels like I don't want to say a linchpin of Mike McDonald's defense and Marcus I think Marcus Williams people are getting I get it he's been hurt feels like stupid injuries he's had the hamstring blowing out after the chest after the wrist Marcus Williams is a really good player too we've seen it every time he's he's played <laughs> the stuff he was doing with one arm was insane but um man it's just you want to keep that guy yeah the one arm man and no he's been people got to calm down with that stuff Marcus Williams is like I'm pretty sure he's had an interception every time he's suited up for the team that might be an exaggeration but it's probably pretty close to being true so let's calm down with makes a lot of plays on the football too yeah uh my play uh, you know, I'm going to have to go cliche again, but it's the Lamar Jackson touchdown pass. Uh, it, pass rush is, you know, crashing down on him. We talked about it a little bit on the recap show. Kind of throws one leg up and uh, whips the ball back across his body a little bit at Mark Andrews. Catching the back of the end zone. Collides with Zay Flowers a little bit, which is funny. It's a little Andrews freelancing. He kind of led him back the other way uh, to put the throw where nobody else was. And, uh, yeah, just a remarkable display of athleticism by Lamar Jackson, which having a couple days to look back on it even more and get more in depth with it. Uh, it was, um, <laughs> good one, Mark. It was, uh, one of the more impressive throws I think he's made bar none, which comes one week after I said the very same thing about the, a play that he made on a touchdown pass. So, and it's funny, like somebody, somebody tweeted, uh, from the, or went back to the Ravens count who had tweeted before the game that it looked like he had almost been practicing that exact thing. He like threw his leg to the left and kind of like whipped a ball back across with a flick of the wrist and it looked pretty similar. So yeah, he's uh he's he's playing at a really high level right now, man. It didn't look quite as uh quite as clean as it did the week before, but that was uh maybe the highest level that he's ever played to. And uh he's just he's still driving the bus, man. It looks like I said, there's a there are complaints. There's talks about spacing this and, you know, route concepts that. This offense is looking good to me, man, because they're just moving. They have the second most explosive plays in the NFL. They have the eighth most explosive passing plays, 20 plus yards, and the most explosive runs in the NFL. And that's my thing. It, they, have like, two le- they have two less than the Dolphins. You've got to be able to sustain drives as an offense. And it just felt like there were plenty of times, particularly last season, and I know it's not totally fair with Tyler Huntley, but it just felt like a lot of times you, you find yourself in third and 10 way too often and you just can't sustain drives. feels like they're getting ahead of that uh, you know, a lot more this season. And uh, I probably should dig up some more metrics to back that because it, it just like... I mean, I think the, one of the simplest ones is completion percentage. They're completing a really high rate of passes. When you complete a really high rate of passes, you're probably going to get four, five, six, seven, eight yards a lot of time. Uh, Deuce 1042 has our back as always here. They're third in red zone efficiency behind the Dolphins and the Bills. And that was a big so issue. Creating for explosive plays and they're efficient in the red zone. That's a good offense. Yeah. And that was a big issue for them last year. And like, like, <laughs> I'm going to keep hitting on this, and I think it needs to be talked about more often. They are not having the same issue with procedural penalties. I mean, that was an insane, insane problem that they were having last year. It just it looked like they just couldn't, you know, figure it out. And um, they they had centers throwing the ball over Jackson's head with regularity over the last couple of years. I think it might have happened once this season, but hasn't really happened too often. So just procedurally, they look a lot cleaner. I think you got to credit Monken for that. I think you you know. Got to credit Jackson and all the players for that, too. I mean, it's it's a true collective effort, and I've been really impressed by them. And I think some of the plays he's been making in recent weeks, including the uh, smooth AF play of the week for me this week, uh, is a testament to that. Definitely, and you see the the vision of the Ravens. We're going to make him a quarter-billion-dollar quarterback, and we're going to turn our offense into the Lamar Jackson show, like Patrick Mahomes, like Josh Allen, and they can run the football. They still structurally can run the football and take some pressure off. And that's why a running back would have been really interesting, especially like a Saquon Barkley would have been very interesting to take even more pressure off of him. But don't end up making that move. And man, those playoff games that are probably going to be, this is what the NFL wants. It's going to be those playoff games of Burrow versus Allen versus Mahomes versus Trevor Lawrence versus Jackson versus uh, whichever one I missed, Tua. Like that's going to be electric. So if you feel like this NFL season sluggish, 
that's going to be electric. A lot of pressure on a lot of highly paid guys, especially outside of Mahomes. Mahomes doesn't have any pressure. He's won. He's done all of it. They are fine. If they have a they have a down year, they're like fifth in EPA per play still. But it's going to be a lot of fun ultimately. That was where our smooth AF plays of the week presented by Baltimore's own smooth as boop. When a Baltimore barber wanted to use the best shaving and grooming products on his clients, he decided, I'm just going to make my own. Their products are versatile. They are for him and her, for ladies that are shaving their legs, for men that are trimming their beards or shaving completely. You can check out their lines of shaving, grooming, and cleansing products like their lavender CBD shaving lotion. You can check them out at smoothaf.com. Their products will leave you feeling good, smelling better, and looking the best. Awesome. Next up, we got our Johnny Crab Cake, our Johnny Cake of the Week. And we're just going to throw it up to the big boy. He's the Johnny Crab Cake. He's the big man. Michael Pierce, speaking of hashtag positional value, talking about Roquan Smith, talking about Michael Pierce, talking about acquiring a running back. The big fella has been on the loose, had six pressures this week, had a monster sack, had fourth down stop after deflected pass after beast mode. He might have been kind of the reason they won that game ultimately. Like he was such a force, created such a high level of impact, especially as the Cardinals kind of were able to move the ball on the ground just enough to sustain some drives. He kind of really won that game for the Ravens in retrospect. It wasn't Patrick Queen's finest day. Roquan Smith looked okay. You know, maybe it wasn't a dominant performance. There wasn't any other player that kind of felt like they were taking over. And Michael Pierce just stepped up and made plays. Uh, goes and gets that first sack and, and felt so relieved and was able to go do a press conference afterwards. And it felt really rewarding for a guy that had such a, and it's not that he hasn't lived up to potential, signs a huge deal with the Vikings, gets injured there, comes back to the Ravens, the COVID thing, or the COVID thing happens, he tears his biceps. Um, so hasn't played as much football as he probably imagined, probably hasn't made quite as much money as he imagined, but it's just balling out. And you can tell he fucking loves football, man. You can tell he just fucking loves the game. And that's my favorite part about it. Yep, that's uh, that's going to do huge for you and uh, me as well. Uh, just a you know an all around disruptor, uh, which is great to have along a defensive defensive line. When you're just a one dimensional defensive line, <laughs> specifically when you tend towards run defense, it, it just it it can get a little boring to watch at times. But when a guy like pops like that to me, not a connoisseur really of line play on either side, uh, you know it's a pretty special performance. And you got Ross Tucker and uh, all the all the the heavy hitters up there in the CBS booth uh, giving him a ton of props. So that was great to see. I'm gonna go with the guy on the other side of the ball. I'm gonna go with uh, our guy. He's a literal bus. I mean, he's got to be a, a Johnny Crab Cake. Gus Edwards going out there and scoring the hat trick uh, for, I, was that the first ever three touchdown game in his career? It's got to be, right? Um, and yeah, I mean, just not a whole lot to say about this guy. He just fucking like, I love J.K. Dobbins to death, but there's been a lot of drama with that guy, uh, you know, for a, for a variety of reasons. I think he's had definitely some uh, justifications for frustration over the past couple of years, but it, a lot of drama, a lot of, a lot of chatter. Gus Edwards just shows up every day and just either rehabs or he practices or he plays in a game and he just kind of does his thing. And like, you know, he's not even like performatively quiet. Like he'll talk a little bit on like Marlon's live streams and stuff. And, you know, he's on social media and everything, but he's just kind of a down to earth type of dude. He raps, he has an album out or an EP or something. Like he's, 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 I like, I like that phrase. He's not performatively quiet. He's not, he just is himself. Yeah. Cause some guys are like, you know, Marshawn Lynch, who I love, but like Marshawn was definitely like very performative in like his hatred of the media. Uh, and I'm sure he had reasons for that too, but like, it's not, it's not like that at all with Gus. He's just kind of like a laid back kind of guy. And he just like, likes you know, comes in and does his work. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's always really nice to see that get paid off when he has a game like this, three touchdowns, the one where he slams into the guy. And then the second effort keeps those legs churning. I think that might've been the first one. Uh, that's just Gus the bus, man. I don't know how much longer he's going to be here. He's been here since the beginning of this era with Jackson, uh, the undrafted free agent this year. So, you know, I've often said before that nobody loves Gus Edwards more than me. It might be a bit of an exaggeration, but uh, I'm certainly within the top 10. And great to see that uh, that type of game from him. Excited to see what he can do the rest of the year, knocking on wood all the time that he stays healthy. And it, it stunk both times J.K. Dobbins has had those big injuries. But, uh, I mean, two years ago, before Gus got hurt, right before that opening game, I was like, all right, like there you go, Gus. Go do the darn thing. Um, so it was 
just insult to injury when he wasn't able to. So really praying for a healthy finish for Gus Edwards, who has been such a quietly hard worker. And speaking of sources, it sounded like his knee, the Ravens, when his, his knee injury was so bad, the Ravens were questioning if he would ever really play in the NFL again. So uh, both him and Justice Hill overcame really difficult injuries and have come back and made plays for this Ravens team. And they have every opportunity before them to make themselves some more money and make plays and get glory and, all of those great things that we love about the sport of football. So love the the Johnny Crab Cake there. With that, I did want to shout out as we're kind of wrapping things up here through our segments. Of course, we'll have the preview coming later this week. And it uh, is Jack Settleman of Snapback Sports. I'm trying to pull up the invite right here. I have the link in the bio. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll post it on Twitter. If you're listening later, and I'm going to share it on our screen right now so you can go check it out we're gonna be doing a tailgate with jack it's really jack's tailgate i believe this should be sharing on the screen if i'm not mistaken it's gonna be 25 dollars. the official snapback sports and punchline podcast tailgate for the ravens hosting the bengals on thursday night football it is 25 dollars a ticket it will start around 5 30 i believe it's in lot h1 and H2 right around that section. You can see a map of it. There's a mobile e-ticket for it. That will include all-you-can-eat burgers, hot dogs, and special food items. All-you-can-drink liquor and beer if you are of age, 21 plus. So 25 bucks, all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-drink. Come hang out with us, hang out with Jack. Let's have a little bit of fun. Go check those out. And again, you can find that on my Twitter. I'll pin that for the next couple of weeks probably. And with that, my friends, hope to see you there. If you're going to be in town for that one, that should be a fun one. And we're making the bank great again. We're making the bank loud again, and it's going to be a primetime game. So buy the tickets, do the darn thing, come to that game, have fun. Let's enjoy this Ravens team that uh, has been a huge mystery, mysterious cloud the last couple of years and is quietly starting to look stable and normal and healthy and competitive as they have always been and are supposed to be in their structure. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I actually will be out of town for that. So uh, that's that's awesome for me. Going to have all the FOMO, uh, but I'm sure you guys are going to put on a great show. And for anyone who wanted to go to that just to meet me, I'm sorry, but you're just going to have to wait until the next one that we do. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of you out there, at least dozens. Uh, but no, it's going to be great. Go and check it out. We've developed a relationship with Jack over the last couple of months. Great dude, obviously, uh, as anyone can tell, uh, who consumes his content, just a, a hard worker, uh, you know, good nature, good natured kind of guy. And, uh, yeah, we really like him. So excited for this, uh, this event to go off. Uh, hopefully it goes off without a hitch. I'm sure it will. And hopefully we can uh, do something else before the end of the year. I'm, I'm aged to get to one of these things. Speaking of lot H, I mean, I'm aged myself to, uh, to get to a tailgate with the boys. So hopefully, uh, you know, maybe a playoff game comes to Baltimore again. That would be nice. Wouldn't it? we can just do something like that then. But, uh, yeah, in the meantime, this is, uh, this is what we got and it's going to be a fun one. So that's about, like you said, a week and a half from now. So everybody, uh, you know, get ready. Two games away still, weirdly. You got the Seahawks and the Brownies coming to town before this. Absolutely do. We're excited for that Seahawks game. Fun teams, fun NFC teams coming to Baltimore. Lions, Seahawks, two of the better teams. And, you know, we mentioned the 49ers and the Eagles. And, hey, maybe one of those two teams that beat here of the NFC teams can go do some damage against one of them in the playoffs and sneakily do the damn thing. I know people would love to see the Lions do it. Seahawks are always just a fun team. So we'll have the Seahawks at Ravens preview for you guys on Friday. And we'll be recording that on Thursday night. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode, enjoyed everything of the sort. If you did or did not, I don't even care. Like and subscribe. Throw us a like. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Easiest way to support us and help us bring you more great content. Appreciate you guys so much. And Get us out of here, my friend. Yep, absolutely. You can, uh, you should do that. And you can also follow us on social media at exit52podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spenny is at Ravens for Dummies. That is the number four. Other guys are at Barstool Banks at E-D-I-T-T-I-22 and at Taylor Smythe 10. They've got an episode coming out uh, uh, tomorrow. Uh, and if you're listening to this on the podcast on Wednesday, it should be out today as well. So all sorts of context. It's a true content bonanza continuing to come your way. But like Spenny said, we'll have more for you later in the week. And uh, until then, see you. Arrivederci. really, really hard, and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, there sir. Trust. Big, big, big trust. Big, big trust. trust hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me...